Welcome in, everybody, to a Friday night edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. And it is my Friday night. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and solid reporter. I'm joined right off the bat by my good friend, Drew Doherty. Drew, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Friday is the best day of the week. Is it? It's a fact, yep. Not Saturday? Nope. Friday? No, because Friday you still have the anticipation of what Saturday and Sunday might nah, that's be. That's true. And didn't, Saturday and Sunday often can disappoint. Didn't we vote? Didn't didn't we have a draft of days uh-huh. at one point? I think I took Friday. I think Friday went off the board first. Yeah. Saturday probably I would have taken Saturday because obviously it's affiliation with college football. Sunday would have been up there. But then Sunday gets you thinking about Monday. Yeah, I get the blues on Sunday night. Monday's okay because you kind of survive Monday. Tuesday, when the reality of the new week sets in, like, oh, Tuesday stinks. Wednesday, you're almost there. Yeah, Wednesday, you're feeling like, hey, yeah, man, all right, I'm cool. Mm-hmm. And usually Wednesday's my night for radio, so I kind of get I kind of get jacked up for Wednesday. And Thursday's like a Friday in many ways. Yeah, very true. Uh, Especially gonna, for college kids. We're going to have uh, something special for you in the next segment. Somebody that has never been on Texans radio will join us Who? in the next segment. Do I tease it and say I'm, I'm going to save it? You got to stick around. Oh, okay, okay. Just say that there is um, personnel involved. Let's put it that way. Oh. Personnel's involved, it's and exciting. then Mark Vandermeer will join us later on. Drew, it's April 5th today. Mm-hmm. We're getting pretty close to the schedule release, right? Yeah, but first, Are, aren't for, you anticipating it next week? Probably next week, maybe a week from this Tuesday. First, though, uh, today's my wife's birthday. So happy, oh, happy birthday, Vita. Shout out, Vita. Happy Always. birthday. Yeah. Only uh, six days away from mine. Mine was Sunday. Hers is Friday. Belated, was that five days or yeah, six days? Belated happy birthday. Is that five or six days? Uh, Can you five, give her age five. on the on the radio or she, would she kill you? 23. Yeah, Very nice. 23. Very nice, man. You did well considering you're 51. What? I mean, it's nice. Well, the hair plugs, they work really well I for know. me. And uh, the calf implants and pec implants. So That's true. So happy birthday, Vita. Vita. But, yeah, very, no, very back nice. to the schedule. I think it's probably going to come out next week or a week from Tuesday. It seems like it's always on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. But it's I remember coming, it on a Thursday coming. one time. So that was my hope is that it's next Thursday. It's one of those sandwich days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, they don't want it to get it to Friday and then Monday is – I don't know why they've never done it on Monday, but – the schedule itself coming out, the schedule release, Mark and I talked about this just br- briefly the other day, but I think that's one of my favorite days of the entire NFL mm-hmm. calendar, mm-hmm. getting the actual schedule and sitting down and going, okay, we've got X number of primetime games, yeah. we're going to such and such a place, we're taking three road trips in a row, and then this year... We're going to go to London, whether it's week seven, week eight, week nine. And on top of that, we might find out the London trip. We might know the London game. Usually that comes before. Before the yeah. schedule release. So that might be coming here any day now. Yeah, usually that comes before the schedule. In fact, I remember the London games being released last year. Yeah. Like way back in March. It might, though. It might just happen two hours before yeah. the actual schedule release. So there's there's no way. There's no rhyme or reason to it, which is kind of odd, I thought. Yeah. I don't know. But – I'm. How do you feel about the London game? You excited about it? Oh, totally. I've never been to London. I never have either. It's a free trip. Uh, tri- free trip <laughs> overseas, man. I'm a cheapskate. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a cheapskate too. I mean, I I've, can't wait. I, I'm really, really, really pumped. But where have you been overseas? I, I studied for a semester in college in Madrid. Oh, nice. Had yeah. a great time, and I went all over the country of Spain, and then got to go to Paris, and got to go to Nice, and got to go to Amsterdam, and well, that's nice. The Netherlands, yeah. So. Uh, I've seen a little bit of Europe, not 
not as much as m- many other people have, yeah. but I've seen a little bit. Uh, lucky enough to go there, but didn't get to go to London when I was over there last time, and I'm really excited to get to see it for the first time now. And yeah. it's part of my job, so that absolutely that's kind of even more fun. I don't think we're going to be there too long. I think it'll probably no. be like a Thursday, Friday type of trip. But I, you get you have the buy no matter what after that trip. Right. It's going to be. Week seven, week eight, week nine. We know that. For, we know that one of those three weeks, the yeah. game will be then, and then the buy is right after that. So it's going to be mid-season, looking at late October, early November. I hope it's later. I hope it's like as late as it can possibly be, like November. I kind of liked our bye week being in week ten last year. Yeah, I it that. felt. Like, I mean, the way the season started, obviously, and then you went six in a row. And then you get that Broncos game, which is right before the bye week. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like, man, nine weeks. Well, that was a it was a long longer. I don't long is the right word. It was a longer stretch than mm-hmm. normally you would have, or that we had had because the year before it was we played six games, then had to buy, then went to Seattle week eight. Week for that, or year for that, it was we played eight games by week nine, eight games. I mean, it was perfect in fifteen and sixteen. I think it was the same exact by week week nine, by week week nine, right in the middle. But I liked our by week last last year being in uh, week ten. Yeah. Um, I thought that was great. I liked having those nine games because then it felt like it felt like a sprint to the finish at that point. I mean, obviously there was still a lot I don't, there, but it felt like it was. It felt like having that by a little bit later. I, I liked where it was. I don't know why, but I just I don't like it when you have have a bye before you've played eight games. I don't like. Uh, that. Yeah, I don't like that either. If, if it's eight games or after, I'm cool. But yeah. and I feel. I feel bad for those teams. They got to take a bye like in early October. Ah, oh, so that's tough. so stupid. Yeah, I mean to to play four weeks, get a bye, and then all of a sudden you've got twelve yeah, straight awesome. weeks to play. I mean that's that's rough. Now, I mean obviously you get into Groundhog Day and routine and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I kind of like it because you do know that we're going to get the bye week either week eight, week nine, week ten. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not half bad. I mean obviously I would like to have the nine, week nine or week ten. But that said. We're going to London, so you know that part of the schedule. And I have a feeling we know what now. I would think that the schedule is going to start the week before we have an enormous college football weekend. We have an enormous college football weekend starting on Friday night. I think it's September 13th, if I remember correctly. And we've got Washington State. Well, I think it's it's the week before, isn't it? No, I think it's it's, not, it's the after, it's after Labor Day. Yeah, it's after Labor oh, Day. Oh wow! It's, okay. it's September thirteenth, and it's University of Houston and it's Washington State. State yep, Cougs and Cougs. Mm-hmm. And then the next night, September fourteenth, is University of Texas and Rice. Mm-hmm. Now, I would imagine that we have asked for that Sunday to be on the road. Yeah, like, let let us be on the road. I wouldn't. It'll think, surprise me if we're if we're home or. I'd be shocked if yeah. we're home that and week. And they wouldn't do a Monday nighter here because they, they do East Coast, West Coast, so they can do the doubleheader, so we won't be the Monday night game. Yeah, I wouldn't think that we're going to be that. Now, I believe, believe, I believe that'll be week two. Mm-hmm. I believe that's week two. So my guess is we'll open at home again. Because I don't think, in looking at all the schedules last year, I, I, there were not many teams that started on the road twice in a row. Hmm. In fact, I think the NFL tries to avoid that. We started against two playoff teams. Mm-hmm. Two teams that got the divisional round the year before and had to play them on the road in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, obviously we go on two in those two. So my guess is we'll start at home, and then we'll go on the road in week two, and then we will go to London week seven, week eight, week one of those, one of those three, not three weeks in a row. So other than that, schedule coming out, 
fits everything else into the schedule. The more I thought about last year's schedule, and I remember coming around, I remember we all talked about this, and we all said, oh, we're going to get the Patriots week one. That's great. Well, not great, but getting the Patriots in Gillette is never great. No. In, any week one of the preseason. You get them here next year. Yeah. I look back at that, and I was like, you know, we win that game, everything changes mm-hmm. for, for a number of different reasons, but everything changes. But had we had that game later on during the year, if we were able to start off on the road against, I don't know, Denver or somebody like that, and you start off 1-0, and and say you go, say you do go 1-2, and but you get that New England game later in the year, and yeah, it's obviously at Gillette, and they were very difficult to beat at Gillette. But I think I would have rather have taken my, my shots at them later in the year, last year. Really? Yeah, because I feel like, it, look, beating them at Gillette is different than beating them on the road. I mean, they were a totally different team when the Patriots played the Titans on the road. When the Patriots played the Jags in the, on the road, I mean, they were just a different ball club. But Gillette, they're going to be tough. So it was going to be tough regardless, but I wish we could have gotten them when there wasn't so much rust, so to speak, on Deshaun, mm-hmm. on JJ. Yeah. I mean, I wish we could have caught him in the first eight weeks when we could have had Will and we could have had Kiki. Yeah. That would have been, been kind of nice. But, you know, swap the Buffalo games. Play Buffalo week one, which would have been tough. But play Buffalo week one because mm-hmm. you would have gotten – who would you gotten at quarterback? You would have gotten not Nathan Peterman, but you would have gotten I can't remember who they put at quarterback to start, but it wasn't Josh Allen. But flip flip those games. Play Buffalo at home and then go to New England in week six. And it would have been tough. That said, I don't know if Sean would have been able to play in that game because we would have had to fly to New England. So that'd have been a lot of different ways to think about it. But the more I thought about that schedule, gosh, just starting at New England was so was so th- stinking. When do you think you'll get New England here? See, I think I think it ends up being a primetime game. I think it's going to be a little bit later. Think so? We've gotten them because you played them in primetime here last time. When we have played them here in 2009 and 15. In 2009, it was the last game of the regular season. 2013, it was later in the season. It's December. Yeah. 2015, it was later in the season. I think it was either the last week of November or the first week of December. It was December. So we've played them later in the year here. So I would imagine. I, that's my guess is that we would play them later in the year, but to me, it's got Sunday night or Monday night written on it. Like mm-hmm. that, that game, that to me ends up, I think, being a primetime game. I don't think it ends up being a Thursday night game. Maybe it does, but I don't think it ends up being a Thursday night game. I mean, it's kind of tough. I hope they learn that lesson sending us up there on a Thursday night. Yeah. Hopefully, they the NFL learn that lesson to not put a game where there's that much travel on a Thursday. But who knows. But I feel like that's going to end up being a primetime game. I think, I think the uh, primetime games are going to be um, Chiefs at at Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I think uh, home against New England. I think those two will be primetime or should be primetime. Uh, and I do think there'll be one other one, and I'm not totally sure what that other one will be. One will be Thursday, one will be Sunday, one will be a, Monday. I can see a Thursday nighter against the Ravens. I can see that at Baltimore. It's up there, yeah. With Lamar going, Lamar Jackson going against Deshaun Watson again. I can see that? Yeah. That was a heck of a college game. I mean, that was a heck of a college game. I think we end up getting four prime timers. Think so? I think so. Last year we got, we got well, depending on you know count the Jets game. That was a prime time game. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. on Saturday, but we had Thursday night against Miami. We had Sunday night against Dallas. Yep. And Monday we had night, Monday night, night against Tennessee. Yeah. And I do. I, I think there's a possibility that one of our Colts games ends up being prime time as well. Sure. I think that I think that's got a better chance of being in prime time than any other AFC South matchup. I think 
I think the Titans and Jacks go back to a Thursday night. I think they'll play a Thursday night. But I think our game with the Colts, one of them, I don't know which one, whether it's there or here, but I think one of them ends up being prime time. I think had we won a playoff game, we'd have gotten five. But I think because of the way that the season ended, yeah. probably get three or four. Yeah, I think so. If we were playing the Browns, that would probably be a, that would probably be a prime yeah. time game. <laughs> it's going to be amazing to see the Browns with that many prime time games. <laughs> but I that would that would have been a prime. I mean, heck, if we do end up playing the Browns at some point, it will be a prime time game because it'll be a playoff game. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think the Ravens could end up being one um, up in up in Baltimore. Play them in Baltimore. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. right. But you have Lamar Jackson against Deshaun Watson, and that was such a great college game in 2016. They got a I decent mean, defense. It's like got a lot of turnover, but you know it's going to be a good defense. Yeah. I mean, it was a phenomenal game, those two. So I can imagine a primetime prime, – the NFL saying, hey, primetime audience needs mm-hmm. to see that game. Two young quarterbacks, absolutely without question. Our matchup in the NFC, the NFC South, maybe Saints and Texans. Yeah, that's that has so many – Texans fans don't like Saints fans. And, and I don't know why that is. And I don't know why. Uh, yeah. And I don't know that the Saints fans really care one way or the other about Texans fans, but I could see that. You know, proximity. Mm-hmm. You play them all the time in the preseason. Yeah. Probably not going to play them this preseason. Because, because you're you playing the them, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that I could see that. I could see that. You're playing there. Man, the last time you were there in the regular season, that was a shootout. 2011. Yeah, 2011. That oh, was an man. awesome game. It was an incredible game. You had that ping-pong touchdown that – Kevin Walter had it near the end, and then they come back and score. Yeah, and then earlier in the that was James Casey's greatest game as a Texan. Yeah, it was. I mean, he played fantastic in that one. I saw him the other day at a pro day, and he was wearing Bengals gear. Yeah, and I was like, "Whoa, that's weird." I didn't get a chance to talk to him. I saw him at both pro days, and I wanted to go talk to him. And I just he get he got involved with doing what he was doing. He and gets I missed, swarmed. I, I saw him at the, the combine and chit chatted with him very briefly before he had to. I gotta go. Uh, the big boss man's calling me. So yeah, of course, had to leave and talk to the head coach. <laughs> of course, Zach Taylor. Yeah, the big boss man, former quarterback. Yeah, you're you're a doppelganger, Zach Taylor. <laughs> I was in nine in 2005. Texas Tech played in Lincoln, Nebraska. Zach mm-hmm. Taylor was a quarterback for Nebraska. For Nebraska, and I'm up in uh, the press box before the game, and this guy in Nebraska gear kind of sidles up to the table and says. Hey, mister, has anyone ever told you you're just the spitting image of our quarterback, Zach Taylor? And I was like, no, no one has. And he's like, well, you are. And then he just scurried off. So. <laughs> you're the spitting image of Zach Taylor. It's like, all right. That's it's one of my favorite yeah. stories. That's random. That is fantastic. So, on the lookout, NFL schedule coming out maybe next week. Yeah. But I would think if it comes out the week following after that, it would be that would be no later than Tuesday. Right. I, I but yeah. I think that so that'd be the sixteenth. I think the sixteenth would be the latest. Today is the fifth. So you it's, got. It's almost always mid-April. Yeah. Almost always. So it wouldn't be on that Monday the fifteenth. So the sixteenth would make sense. But my hope is that it comes out the eleventh, a couple of days before that. It'd be kind of nice. It's fine with me. Give us something to talk about on Thursday, Drew. Appreciate it. Anytime, John. Who is coming up next? Well, he's only been with the Texans for a year. But it's been a good year. That's the only hint I'm going to give you. Stay tuned for our mystery guest next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to our Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, your host, football analyst and silent reporter, and very glad to be with you on this wonderful evening. It's wonderful because we're talking football, we're talking Texans, and we're going to talk to somebody here in just a second who, well, he's never been on the air with us, but he's maybe one of the more intriguing people in this entire 
building, and he's only been here for a year. He spent 14 years with the New York Jets. He took over in 2018 as the director of player personnel for your Houston Texans. He, in fact, played professional football over in France. How about Matt Bazergan, director of player personnel? He sat down with DP Sidhu for the Deep Slant podcast. And this is just a little snippet to introduce you to a guy who I think has got a tremendous future in this game. He's already done great things up to this point. He's got a future with this organization and love having him on the radio. Here's DP Sidhu with Director of Player Personnel, Matt Bazergan. I know this is a crazy busy time of year for you guys with mm-hmm. the offseason and free agency and the draft. So I really do appreciate you taking time out of your breaks to come down here and chat with me because – you don't get very many breaks, do you? I hear I hear the door open and close every now and then. Yeah, not many. Brian runs a tight ship, very thorough, and we're going through it right now with the coaches. And we're on uh, we're on offense. We're just finishing up offense, and we're going to get to defense next week. So Brian will occasionally let us out of the cage, but <laughs> but uh, he works us pretty hard. But it, but it's good. It's it's a really good process right now. All right, for people that are listening, you just joined the Texans last year, so. Give us a brief description of what your job responsibilities include. Well, as director of player personnel, I'm overseeing both the, the both the pro and college departments. So Rob Kissel, our pro director, James Lifford, our college director. I'm in charge of basically managing those guys, making sure that that uh, everything's organized with their departments. Um, so during the fall, it's kind of a mix of both. So during the season. Um, I'll be in the office probably two days and then out on the road three days. So there's a balance of pro and college, um, making sure the roster is set basically on Monday and Tuesday after the game. And then usually Tuesday night I'll get out and try to hit about three practices, college practices, um, so Wednesday and Thursday. And the good part about it is now that some colleges will practice in the morning. So I could go out Tuesday night. Uh, see a practice Wednesday morning, go to a practice Wednesday afternoon, and then, you know, drive two hours somewhere and catch a practice uh, on Thursday afternoon. And then usually I'm back in the office on Friday. Um, So basically that's kind of how in my role during the fall is basically managing both back and forth. Then I'll sort of transition back to pro and prepare for free agency um, after the season. And now I'm kind of back segueing back into – the uh the draft process so but ultimately kind of my responsibility is to manage both and kind of oversee both but also be hands-on scouting brian is he's a general manager but he's an executive scout he's still a scout at heart as am i so i like to get i like to see as many college players as i can live during the fall really the fall and then March and and April as well with the pro days and combine as well. That's fascinating because I had no idea that you were traveling that much during the season. How many college practices, different colleges, do you think you hit last season? Can I would, you estimate? I would say collectively um, forty. Now that includes wow. that includes practices and games. Like I have to hit games usually on a Saturday. So when we played Jacksonville uh, this year on a Sunday, I'd go out Friday night. I saw Florida State and Wake Forest play Saturday, and then drove over to meet the team on Sunday. So I'll and the good part is being being down here. I mean, you're in the heart of it. You've got Texas A&M, obviously Houston's right here, but uh, UT. You can shoot up to Dallas. There's some big games early in the year, like saw Ohio State, TCU, Miami, LSU. So I got to hit those games as well. So 
like before when I was with the Jets in New Jersey was really just Rutgers. So Rutgers, I could see some Big Ten schools, but that was basically it. Here I have so many options. I can see the SEC. I can see the right. Big 12. And, of course, here in, here in Houston as well. Everything's just a few hours away, it seems like, in Houston. They're exactly. Not on the East Coast. Let's talk about your time at the Jets because you were with the Jets for 14 years uh, before you arrived here last May. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, everyone sort of makes that association of you and Brian Gain because, obviously, Brian spent some time with the Jets. What was your relationship like with, with Brian? Did you, did you really have a chance to know him when you were at the Jets, or did that happen more so after you were hired here? No, actually, Brian was the guy. It was it was Brian was the assistant pro director at the time with the Jets, and JoJo Wooden was the director of pro personnel with the Jets at the time. JoJo's now with the Chargers as a director of player personnel in my role, um, and those two guys were really responsible for getting me in. Um, they gave me my first shot, and so I was really I worked with those guys for a year. Worked with Brian for a year, and then Brian, of course, went on went to Dallas and then Miami and. And here's now he's here now, obviously. But yeah, I I worked with Brian for one year, and then we just over the years we stayed in contact. Um, you know, wherever he went, wherever you know, when I was with the Jets, I I stayed in contact with him. And uh, yeah, I mean, when he when he got the GM job, you know, he gave me the call, and and uh, that was basically it. So I did work with him for a year, but it's it's been a little while. But you kept yeah. in touch after that. Yes. All right, you've got experience in both college and pro scouting. Obviously, you oversee both now. Mm-hmm. But for people that might not know, I know this is a popular question. What are the big similarities and differences in college versus pro scouting? Okay. Well, certainly with college, it's it's the obvious. It's the travel, right? Um, and I would say it's college is just straight projection. Um, it's, you know, it's really digging into the person, the background, um, projecting what kind of fit he is for us, not only as a person, but as I mentioned, but also scheme fit. What do you, what is he asked to do in college as opposed to what Bill's going to ask him to do on offense or rack on defense and projecting his skill set to what we ask our players to do. So basically it's in college, it's in general, it's travel and it's projecting players for the Texans and in pro it's, it's more, uh, it's more apples to apples because you're not really projecting players. You're watching a an NFL pass rusher against an NFL tackle. Um, so it's it's really apples to apples. I would say that the biggest thing with pro is just responding to injuries, um, making sure, you know, we're bringing in players, you know, during the season if a guy's hurt. Like how how, how would that guy – It's it's a little bit of a projection, but – it's more apples to apples. Okay, you know this guy's a three-four outside backer. Um, you know, can he can he be a four-three D end or vice versa? So I would say more. Again, going back to college, it's it's traveling, it's projection. Pro, it's apples to apples, responding to injuries. I guarantee you, I'm going to Deep Slam podcast to hear that entire discussion with Matt Bazigan, director of player personnel for your Houston Texans. Great job there. By DP and, of course, Matt. All right, we get back to the Voice of the Texans. Mark Vandermeer joins me. We'll talk a little bit about Dre Howell's retirement and does it impact the draft priority in the first two days of the draft? We'll talk about that next on Texans All Access. One final segment of a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Last time that I did the Friday show, Matt Khalil signed with the Houston Texans. So... 
Oh, that's well, right. Actually, the news broke. Yeah, the he news broke. With Houston Texans, Mark. Van so we Mayer. had to talk about it, and I was uh, where I was somewhere. I was on the phone. Yeah, I had to, I had to I had to call you. Yeah, doing the show. Mm-hmm. Hey, come on and talk about Matt Khalil, and you did. You were, I did. You were gracious. And you know, everyone's coming around to the fact that he might start. You know, if he's mm-hmm. healthy. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not start? I mean, Julio Davenport probably doesn't want to hear that, but good. Competition makes everybody better. They'll draft somebody as well at some point, so let's just see what happens there. So we get the news, Mark, on Wednesday. Well, Tuesday. Tuesday or Wednesday. I think it was Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday about Andre Howe. Yeah. And I talked about this a little bit on Wednesday. What do you think that does to the draft strategy in particular? And I, I think about the draft kind of split up this way. There are four picks, and then there's day three. Yeah. So I think about the four picks because I think those four picks that they have, the the first rounder, the two seconds, and the third. Yep. Like I got to look at those four picks. Like, that's got to be in addition to your foundation going forward. Like, you've got to hit, not home runs maybe, but you got to hit three doubles at least. Whoa. you got to really? hit three doubles. Three doubles? One home run. You need to go three for four mm. with those. Well, uh, th- this look, you know how the draft is, John. I know. It's three t- doubles it's in the first four picks. I'm not saying you got to hit Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith home runs. You know what? It, it's And I think you and I were talking about this off the air the other day. If you were going to equate it to baseball terminology and averages mm-hmm. and things like that, uh, I think that uh, it's, it's like saying you have four at-bats. Mm-hmm. And are you going to hit three doubles and four at-bats? Yeah. Probably not, unless you're yes. Barry Bonds. We all know what he, what's going on there. No, I mean, well, he's wonderful. But I'm just, yeah. I think you've got to hit, out of those first four, you've got to get a starter who's going to have a second contract. Okay? You have to get a starter who may or may not have a second contract. Mm-hmm. And you've got to hit one contributor – Meaning a guy who could start on occasion, play a lot, be reasonable for you, and you could have a miss. But the miss cannot be in the first round. You're correct. So that's that's what I'm you're saying. You're correct. And and people are saying, Mandy, your standards are so low. Listen, look at drafts. You got to look at how the draft go. history of this. Look, look, not just the I'm Texans. being greedy by wanting People three. tend to only look at the Texans when they look at the way the draft is. Like, who is the – I'm going to refrain from using a word. Somebody said, they only the, from the 2014 draft, they only have Clowney left. Yeah, big deal. I mean, from the 2013. The fact that they have somebody yes. from the 2014 draft says something. You know, I mean, other than your first rounder, the only, that's the only guy who's protected into five years if yeah. you choose to protect him. Right. Everybody else needs a second contract. You'd love to get one or two second contract guys out of every draft other than the first round. That'd be great, but most teams don't do it. Yep. Most teams are comprised of the last three draft classes, three or four, and that's it. Some free agents and three, four, five guys who are from previous drafts who you signed to second and third contracts. Right. That's it. If you're lucky enough, you have a quarterback who's been there for a decade who's really helping you out. Maybe not a decade, but a, a bunch of time who's on a second contract. Well, I look at it this way. Russell Wilson's about to sign a third contract. Yeah, third contract. I mean, it's sure. amazing to think about. It doesn't feel yeah. like he's been in the league that long, but he's going to sign a third contract. Brady has signed 72 contracts, it feels actually, in renegotiations and things like that. By saying they need to hit three doubles, I'm perpetuating my own, the problem that I always have an issue with, and that is you, as you look at drafts, yeah. and I've, I've used the basketball analogy because I think a lot of people look at a draft and they think, 
you've got to hit a free throw percentage. Like most guys will hit 75 to 80%. Yeah. When the reality is it's more like three-point shooting percentage, which is more like 35 to 40%. If you hit 35 to 40% of your draft picks – you're gonna be you're gonna be hoisting but a few what is, Lombardis what does hit way. mean? What does hit mean? Well, I think it I think it varies kind of. By, I think it, it varies by round. Yeah, I think, and I know Coach O'Brien will tell us all the time. Ah, it doesn't matter where you're drafted. I, once you get in the building, yeah, I get that part. But I do think you know. Look, there's a reason a guy's a fifth rounder versus being a third. Sure, rounder. sure. Higher and, percentage of success if you're drafted right. earlier. Of Absolutely. Course. I think you you said it perfectly. You cannot miss on your first rounder. Mm-hmm. It is detrimental, and I think, and this is a tough one to use, but I think Kevin is a perfect example Johnson. of why Kevin Johnson, because what was the what was the cost of having Kevin Johnson first rounder in a defensive backfield? Well, you you didn't sign AJ Boye. If you didn't have Kevin Johnson, yeah, maybe you sign AJ Boyd. Right, you just go all in on right. whatever the cost is. Maybe so, yeah. And, and, or you draft somebody previously, or, right? Or and and you maybe maybe you were going to draft a third rounder that's going to turn right. out to be a really good player for you. and You didn't do it, but your first rounder, you're going to give every yeah. opportunity yeah. to prove. Second rounders, not as much, but they're at least with a smaller con. You know, with the first rounder, you can have that fifth year option. Well, the second rounder, it's not it's not as much, but that second rounder is still a top. It's still a top in some cases, a top forty pick. Some top, in some cases, a top sixty five pick. Right. You need to have that player. And the Texans have had success with that second rounder with Zach, with BMAC, mm-hmm. with Demico Ryan's. I mean, we've hit it out of the park with linebackers in the second round. So I think those guys have probably overperformed what a second round pick would be, but. That's the kind of player in the second round. But you're going to give that player in the second round a little you, – you're going to want to see him succeed. But that first rounder is the one where it's like it has to work. And, and look, you cannot miss on the first round. Is Johnson the biggest miss for this organization since uh, Moby Okoye, say? Yeah, probably. I mean, really. Yeah, and and yeah, a I lot of so. that was really injuries. You know, well, I, yeah. I think we all agree if Kevin Johnson was able uh, yeah. to stay healthy. And that's why it's tricky and, and problematic to talk about in some sense. I'm not going to call them. It's, you know, there, there are busts and there are injury busts. Right. You know, and, and to me that's an injury situation right Absolutely. there. Uh, much more than he can't play. I think he can play. Right. I just think he couldn't play because he was hurt. Right. And then when he was out there, maybe he wasn't 100%, so that affected the caliber of play. Yep. But it, it really is It's too bad because this organization had hit on so many first-round draft choices, and, and that's a sad thing. And you're right. It sets you, it sets you back. It's kind of like if you miss on a quarterback, except to a lesser extent, but it sets you back at cornerback because here you are having to draft a corner right now. You had to right. sign Roby. You have Absolutely. to draft a corner. You got to shore that up. So what's the cost of missing? Well, the cost was you you weren't able to sign AJ Boye. You got to spend the money to go get Bradley Roby. Uh, then obviously you have to spend some money to get Brian Body Calhoun. You spent money last year. It didn't really pan out on Kevon Webster and Sharice Wright. So missing in the first round, you're going to give that player so many opportunities. As you get in further rounds, those players aren't going to get the opportunities. Yeah. You know, third round, I think we found out you got it. You got a couple of years. You got. You got to win the job. You got to win the job. And if you don't, you're going to be competition coming behind you. And if that guy's better, we're going with that guy. You know, it's I funny. Think we found that out this past camp in 2018 with Braxton Miller in particular. Before I went on this morning with Mad Radio, uh, the the hour prior, they were talking about what success would be like in this year's draft class, and I think that. Not just the draft class, but undrafted free agents. You know, you forget yep. things like contribution could be anything. 
When you look at Dylan Cole in 2017, uh, obviously the Texans had a bad year, but Cole had a pick six in a Titan game. Yeah, but he had, yeah. I mean, he had another the pick, pick against the Browns where he got hurt. You know, it, had you had a good season there and Cole had just done that and got out, you'd say, all right, that's too bad he got hurt, but at least I got a contribution out of an undrafted free agent, right. and I'm looking forward to the future. And they need guys like that. They need people who can come in and do something for them, and yeah. maybe they don't turn out to be pro bowlers. Maybe all they do is make a few plays here or there, but they're available to you, and they could possibly turn out to be more. But it's too much to ask you to draft a rookie, and he's going to play 16 games, and he's going to get these kind of numbers. You know, I'm not saying the first rounder, but I'm talking about every member of the draft class, or yeah. as you said, 80% of the draft class. You can't count on that at all. It's right. not going to happen unless it's a mir- If it does, it's an NFL miracle. Very few draft classes turn out to be that way. Even the greatest draft classes for this franchise, 06, 09, you could say, uh, those classes, right off the bat, did they look that great? Well, they looked better as time went on, right. actually. Yeah, and, I, and I, I think that's, that's okay to look at it that way. 2011 was pretty good. Guy that was drafted at the top of you mean number ninety nine. Yeah, he's pretty good, mm-hmm. but but I think you're right. I think you cannot miss on the first rounder. Right. I think it is. It, there there's so many advantages to hitting on that first rounder because you get that fifth year as yeah. an option year. You know, if you you have that you have that opportunity afforded you get to five you years that. at an affordable price Absolutely. with a really good player. Second rounder, I, and I know people will listen and say, "Well, you got it. You know, you didn't hit on third rounders for a long time, and then that's what was missing in the core of your team." And, I, I, okay, I, I get that. But Deontay Foreman, hopefully he's a hit. Hopefully. He's got to be healthy. He's only played – I thought about this the other day, Mark. He's only played in 11 games. 11 games. He's going into his third year. Wow. So, th- I mean, he's uber talented. But I think he's a huge X factor for this offense. Mm-hmm. I think the two X factors for the offense this year are Deontay Foreman. Now, giving health to Will Fuller. I think I think Will's the ultimate. Yeah. I think Will Fuller changes Everything. Everything. Every, I think and he then, changes And then everything. you throw QT in, and it, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, like if you're making, you know, if, you, if you're making uh, nachos, right? And now, you know, you have the chips yeah. with with DeAndre Hopkins, and, and you're adding the queso with Fuller, and now mm-hmm. you're throwing, like, all sorts of great stuff right. on there with QT. You got guacamole. Right. I mean, you're really adding to the mix there. So you can – I like your analogy because yeah. if you have the chips and the cheese, you're okay. You're okay. Like, you can survive. You're more than okay. Because those chips and cheese are pretty darn good. Yeah, the now you got guacamole excellent. on top. Exactly. And you're adding all the toppings. I think the two X factors to me, outside of health, keep that out. I think it ended up being Deontay Foreman mm-hmm. and Martinez Rankin. That's going to be big, too, to see what he can do. I know. Can he win a job at guard? Right. Uh, is your tackle going to be Khalil, Davenport, or rookie? Right. That kind of thing. Also... Running back is you know, with Blue going to Jacksonville. It's not like we thought Blue was going to be on the team, but we didn't know he wasn't going to be on the team. You just knew he wasn't signed. They right. could always sign him again. You thought like last year. Now he's gone for sure, and you're thinking, well, they're going to do something. They got to do something. Right. I mean, you know, you look at Lamar Miller, and he had a really good year last year. Actually, look at the yards per carry and all yep. of that. That was a good year. But you know, you want to be more diverse at running back, and Foreman can certainly provide that. A healthy Deontay Foreman, however. They're going to draft a running back, Johnny, and it's going to be mid to late rounds. They're going to draft somebody, and he's going to be able to catch the ball. He's going to be able to run the ball, and you want to just get better at that position group. Okay, so let's let's bring it back to what we talked about at the beginning. Trey Howe retires. Right. So what does it do to safety? 
Not only what it does to safety, but oh, what does it do draft. to your draft strategy with those first four picks? So yeah. here's here's the scenario that when when we talked about this before Dre Howe retired, safety to me was kind of off the radar screen. Yeah. We've got two starters with Dre Howe, and they play a lot of nickel. Yeah, he's then, he's on the field and a if lot. If the starters hurt, Dre Howe's playing. You feel right. Good. Yeah, and then you put Mike Tyson in there. I think Mike's mm-hmm. gonna gonna play much better than AJ Moore. The champ. Um, I think yeah. I think you've got those guys that are going to have an opportunity during training camp to show that they maybe deserve to have some time at safety. But now you don't have Dre Howe back there. And you've got four picks. Now, originally I thought with those four picks, I wouldn't have been opposed to either tackle or corner doubling up. Mm-hmm. Like having drafting two tackles, and then you've got a corner for one, and then your other position is running back or say right, or, right. or whatever. Right. Or you took two corners – in one tackle. Right. And then the other one was running back or whatever whatever you want it to be. But now, with Dre Howell not being there, do you feel like there needs to be a safety draft in one of those four picks? In the in the first four? No. I don't need to draft a safety in the first four. I have my starters. I have look, I don't have amazing depth there, but I've got I got a couple of bodies, but I'm gonna pick up a safety late in the draft. I'm going to pick, it, I'm a, I pick up an undrafted guy. Dre House is a seventh-round draft choice, sure. lest we forget. So right. you're going to be able to find somebody. There's probably a veteran out there I could use. You know, Look, once upon a time, Quentin Demps led this team in interceptions, and he was a guy who was available to anybody with a, with a checkbook. Yep. So, And not to take anything away from him, but there are players out there who can help you, especially at that position. Yeah. You know, Will Demps once upon a time helped this yeah, team. You know, know Eugene yeah. Wilson once upon a time helped this team. You know, Bernard Pollard once upon a time was available uh, with very little uh, fanfare and then ended up making plays. Now, not for a long period of time, but I can find guys out there. I don't need to draft a safety in those first four picks. So those first four picks, no more significant free agents are added till the draft. What are you doing with those first four picks? I, in in Some I know it's dependent. I know it's dependent on the board. Yeah, you know what's on the board, but highlighting the particular positions. Yeah, what do you think they should be? Corner, tackle, maybe another O lineman, and running back or wide receiver, an offensive weapon. Yeah. So, in other words, you're not changing the strategy of what we kind of thought it should no. be. No, I'm not changing it at all. Not changing it. No, at because all. I lost a. Andre Howe, love him, was depth for this football team. Right. And heart and soul and all that. He's a ball right, magnet. Right, right. I get it. He always, you know, some guys just find a way to be around the ball. Even if it's, well, that was tipped. and you know, But some guys just find it. They're just there, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I think it's a magical quality sometimes. It's very hard to sort of quantify other yep. than the fact that they get picks. Anyway, the starters, we all know that. Tashawn Gibson and Justin Reed are going to start at safety. Right. You know, I didn't need to like wait for that to play out. Right. I knew that was going to happen. So I'm okay with finding depth deep in the draft, free agency, undrafted free agent. It's not going to change my first four. I'm going to go two O linemen, corner. You know, and I'm hesitant to say two O linemen. I could almost say two corners. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But because uh, you know they got to get stronger back at the at the edges. They want to get strong. It's not just for next season, Johnny. It's for the years to come. Roby's on a one-year deal, and Jonathan Joseph is on a father time deal, right? <laughs> right? He's on a 
You, yes. you never know when it's right. going to end. Kind he's of on deal. a never. You never know deal. Yeah, he's not. You know, he's not twenty five years old anymore. So right. th- you got to be very careful there. Well, I I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being two defensive backs. And I know that there's got to be there's got to be some. Um, you know, the offensive line still like I get it. I I I wouldn't. I still think it's going to end up being. Two defensive backs or two offensive linemen with one of them being a tackle. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some. What's the other position group? Name it. An offensive weapon. Okay. I think an offensive weapon. Yeah, running back could be. No no tight end. No, I don't think a tight end. You know, with with Fells, Griffin, Akins, and Jordan Thomas, I just don't think you're going to draft a tight end. Look, I know people out there, well, Deshaun Watson needs another weapon. Look, if you have QT, Fuller, and Hopkins – that's where the majority of your throws are going to go. Yep. That's where they're going to get the targets, mm-hmm. those three. Mm-hmm. And then Bill said it at the Bill O'Brien said it at the coach's breakfast, he wants to get the backs more involved as well. Yeah. Well, that was also that was also saying our offensive line's got to be better so that the backs can get out in the routes. So I would like to see the backs get involved because both Lamar Miller and Deontay Foreman, we know, catch the football. I wouldn't be surprised, Mark, if that third, that third running back position would be somebody they draft. But it's not the perfect running back. In other words, it could be could be running back, could be wide receiver, could do a little of both. Could be a younger Akeem Hunt kind of player. Yeah, exactly. A yeah. younger Akeem Hunt. There's a guy in Memphis by the name of Tony Pollard. Played running back, played some receiver, yeah, kind of mix of both. Caught a lot of balls. Right, exactly. So I think it could end up being somebody like that, and that's kind of the, the luxury you're afforded to a degree because you have the other weapons you have. As long as they are healthy. That is a huge caveat. And you won't know that draft weekend. You you have a feeling that they're on track to be healthy, but you won't know whether they're going to stay healthy. But I think you can find weapons that way. But to me, I think it still is I think you can solve the problem that we're kinda that I've kind of brought up of losing Dre Howe into your thought of drafting two defensive backs. I think you can kind of put the two of them together because most of the when Dre would go in the game, they would have three safeties on the field. One of the safeties would drop down. Yeah. Most of the time, Tyron. And then they would have Dre Howell just to read in the back. Yeah. Well, you can leave Deshaun Gibson and just to read in the back, and then you play a nickel. Well, you got Aaron Colvin. You've also got Brian Body Calhoun. If you draft a guy that's got some safety, some corner, some nickel, like all in the same body, and there are a bunch of those guys in this draft, I think you can find one of those with the four. So you kind of kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. You get a guy that can. Can cover the slot. And let's see what he is when, when right. you get him in here. And, like, what's his normal position? Yeah. Well, we don't really know what that is because yep. he does a lot of different things. He could play safety in a pinch. He could cover the nickel. Just like you, you said, know. offensive weapon. This is defensive backfield weapon. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Mark, appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. Look at Mark throwing my term right back at me. Very nice. Offensive weapon, we need a defensive weapon. A secondary weapon. How about that? Appreciate Mark stopping by. Drew for being by earlier. D.B. Sidhu, of course. And Matt Bazergan, Director of Player Personnel for your Houston Texans. Great stuff for him. And hopefully we'll get more from him down the road. And it was a, it's a very busy time for everybody in our personnel department. So appreciate Matt for spending a few minutes with D.B. You want to hear that whole podcast, the Deep Slant Podcast. Go check it out wherever you get your podcast. Most of you get it from iTunes. Go check it out there. You hear the In the Lab you get Deep Slant and, of course, Vandermeer's view. So go do that. You guys have a great weekend. Appreciate y'all for being here. We'll see you on Monday. And as always, go Texans.